the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, we're moving along in this revived series, Oh, That First Means That, begun last year in 2022 and aired from January through September. Originally 31 programs, but in May of this year, 2023, backed by popular demand, we've revived and resumed this series. We're on part 49. The original 31 archived sessions and these new sessions can be found at Faith Talk 13. 1360.com. Just search for local program podcasts. Friends, becoming a detective of the divine should now be a hallmark of our Bible study habits. Our detective's cap, spiritual magnifying glass, and biblical sandals should now be looked at as standard equipment as we prep to conduct our investigations into Scripture, today being the next piece of armor. And by now, we should be accustomed to dressing for the occasion, suiting up, so to speak, with our spiritual warfare wardrobe, as I call it, because all this is essential for protecting us from cavalierly and authoritatively barking out what we think a verse or a portion of scripture means. I'm of the conviction, friends, that we simply don't realize how often we impose a personal or modern perspective on the Bible verses we read. Why do we so easily misuse scripture? Bible scholars were asked this question. They answered, declining biblical literacy. Oh, questionable Bible translations and preachers who don't do their homework. So shame on us. Now, I truly believe sincere Christians really want to know what Bible verses mean, but often pass over their actual meanings because they're often focused on what they expect or want to see in the verses they read. Well, it does sadden me, friends, that too many of us crave our spiritual quick fix. By that I mean we're satisfied squeezing in that little biblical morsel of bread for the day so we can get on with our own lives. And this is what God's Word has become? Is a morsel now all we need? 
What happened to our drive to ensure we're treating the scriptures justly? What happened to the desire to respect the Holy Spirit, since he is the author and inspirer of our scriptures? What happened to devoting just a little time to observe the context or background of the Bible portions we're reading? Have we forgotten the great rewards we can reap? I'm sure you've already found this out, haven't you? This time well spent then shields us from so easily and quickly abusing Scripture. Friends, doesn't it bother us that thus far we've identified 48 Bible verses that we've either treated indifferently or misconstrued, misjudged, misunderstood, misinterpreted, and then misapplied? Well, I'll repeat my appeal. Let's revive a passion to more faithfully and more carefully investigate Bible verses we thought meant one thing because we're noticing over and over these verses mean something quite different. And friends, let me reiterate that I take no pleasure in shining a spiritual spotlight on or get any glee from seriously re-examining Bible verses that are unsoundly interpreted by some of us pastors, teachers, and preachers. And you know why, don't you? Because the Bible has its own story to tell us, doesn't it? It's crying out, screaming out to tell us its story. But what do we pastors, teachers, and preachers, and even average Christians do? We force or manipulate the Bible to tell our story. And why I say, shame on us. Well, once again, our scripture section under surveillance today is Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Eleven illuminating and spiritually jam-packed verses that are crying and screaming out to tell us their story. A story often innocently or intentionally detached from one of the running themes of this Ephesian letter. Well, today's sixth session in this mini-series, Session F, is Those Gospel Shoes. So our focus will be Ephesians 6.15, traditionally rendered, Having Shod Your Feet with a Preparation of the Gospel of Peace. And friends, I hope you're discovering that rereading Ephesians in its entirety in one sitting and watching for thematic links is proving to be very rewarding. Because today I'm going to suggest you reread Ephesians in one sitting again but this time watch for how Paul unpacks peace in this letter. Go on, pull out that spiritual magnifying glass in your back pocket. Peace appears once in chapter 1, four times in chapter 2, once in chapter 4, and twice in chapter 6. This way you can more easily connect the dots when you get to verses 10 through 20. You see, Paul is instructing his readers on how the spiritual pieces of armor are vital to combat the opposing spiritual forces, those otherworldly forces led by Satan and his demonic angelic minions. Recall I've said in this series that at first glance, these 11 verses seem unassuming, even obvious, or easily interpreted. We might even wonder why we're devoting this miniseries to scrutinizing these 11 verses. But as I've said previously, our scriptures under scrutiny sometimes fit better into the category of discovering that the text means something deeper or richer, and not just something different. And sometimes our scriptures will be both different and deeper. 
Friends, aren't we discovering that when digging just a little deeper into the Bible's wonderful languages, some key words and concepts spring to life and expand our spiritual horizons? This is the primary reason I prefer reading all 11 verses of Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. It keeps alive the broader theme of the spiritual war we're in. Today I'm going to read from the 1996 edition of the New Living Translation. There's just something stirring any motive about the first edition of a new translation. I hope you'll find it as refreshing as I did. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all the God's armor so that you will be able to stand against the strategies and tricks of the devil. And here's where our word schemes came in. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil, so that after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness, this being the breastplate, of course. For shoes, put on the readiness to preach the good news of peace with God, traditionally rendered as, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And this is our verse for today, Ephesians 6.15. In every battle you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. And pray for me, too. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles, too. I am in chains now for preaching this message as God's ambassador, but pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him, as I should. Friends, I don't know about you, but I get stirred up each time I read this segment in Ephesians 6. It's not boring or monotonous to me at all. If anything, it's convicting. Well, as this is now session F in our investigative journey of the armor of God, we're once again sizing up a real first century Roman soldier and his armor through the eyes of the Apostle Paul in a Roman prison. Remember now, though Paul is listing these pieces in one order, we're scrutinizing them in a different order, a head-to-toe order, in other words, a top-down order. And in our order, we devoted a considerable amount of time in previous sessions unpacking the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, and last time, the shield of faith. And each of these times, we also drew a spiritual parallel Paul likely made under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to his Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament. In the process, we dug into the meaning in the Roman military world, as well as the meaning in our present spiritual world. Here's a quick review of what spiritual parallels we made. The helmet protects the head and therefore our mind. The breastplate protects the vital organs, particularly the heart. The belt of truth wraps around and covers our midsection, symbolizing truth as the center of our being and central in all we say, do, live for, and witness to. And let me pause here a second. Recall Jesus' reply to Pilate in John 18, the reason I was born and came into the world is to witness to the truth. 
Hmm, friends, do we see that as our mission? We were born again to witness to the truth. Okay, then, the sword of the Spirit wields the word of God when it's needed to counter our enemies, human and demonic, and the shield of faith is raised to stop the onslaught of Satan's and his minions' arrows of temptation. They even work through worldly wiles to get us to do their bidding. And I'll quickly pause here again, friends. Keep 1 Corinthians 10.13 in your back pocket at all times. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And how does he do this? When you are tempted, he provides a way out so you can endure it. You see, friends, the question we must ask ourselves is, Am I looking for or can I spot God's exit plan? God's way out? Well, since we're on the home stretch of this mini-series on spiritual warfare, I just want to let you know that this series actually has two prequels. The first called, Yes, Virginia, There Is a Satan, aired August 3rd, a healthy overview of our enemy, correcting some misconceptions. And the second called, What Are the Gates of Hades Anyway?, aired August 10th, and a healthy challenge to the prevailing thought on what the gates of Hades are. So if you missed these prequels or any sessions in the series, just go to faithtalk1360.com, search for local program podcasts. This mini-series itself began on August 17th. Podcasts are posted in date order. Well, once again, we're imagining the Apostle Paul chained to a Roman soldier. He's gazing at this soldier from head to toe, sizing him up, when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit interrupts him to picture a spiritual parallel to all Christ followers and our battle in the earthly dimension against our spiritual enemies in the heavenly dimension. The Holy Spirit also nudges Paul to recall his own Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, and parallel these pieces of armor to key statements God makes in the Old Testament. And let's briefly recall Paul's use of this key term schemes in verse 11, because our English words method and methodology originate from this Greek term he uses. We went into great deal unpacking this term in part 44, session A. But as we move along, we can't forget what this term is behind. I think for a moment how Genesis 3.1 describes Satan as a crafty serpent. It's no coincidence that schemes in Ephesians 6.11 also means crafty, plus deceitful, well-organized evil, and well-crafted trickery. This term's range includes investigating methodically to adopt a settled plan, cunning, wiles, strategically manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. Wow, there's a mouthful, huh? Friends, do we arrange our Christian lives around a settled and well-organized plan of action? Are we as methodical as Satan is? I bet we're not. Maybe this is why we're defeated much of the time. Maybe it's why we lose a lot of our battles. Maybe we really don't prepare. Maybe we like our lives of leisure and work our rear ends off for what we want, happiness and security. Well, let's pause here, friends. If you just tuned in, you're listening to A Word from the Word. With me, your host, Pastor Tom. I value you as listeners to A Word from the Word, which is listener-funded. Your financial partnership keeps this program on the air, which also disciples Christians without a church home, and those of you who may have been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Please join forces with me and A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at 
a word from the word at minister.com. We'll repeat this info at the end of the program. Friends, let's be straightforward and honest here. Before we walk out the door, do we think to put our helmet of salvation on? Put our breastplate of righteousness on? Put our belt of truth on? Is our shield of faith just lying on the floor dusty? Is our sword on a shelf or sitting there on the coffee table? Do we leave home thinking we don't need the full armor of God on our warfare wardrobe? Is it just hanging there in the closet? Or worse, is it strewn on a chair, rarely if ever worn? Friends, it's time to see that Ephesians six ten through 20 assume we'll dress in the full armor of God, conscientiously prepping to engage our enemy each day. The New Testament believers clearly saw themselves wearing warfare wardrobes, not leisure suits. They left home with a military mindset. Well, friends, next down, and not next up, since we're viewing the soldiers' pieces of armor from head to toe, or from top to bottom, is those gospel shoes. And it's a somewhat quirky statement there in Ephesians 6.15, isn't it? So let's unravel it. Some other translations may help. The NAS says, And having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. The ESV has, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness that gives the gospel of peace. The CSB says, And your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. The NLT has, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. What is Paul seeing and thinking here? Well, the military backdrop is crucial. A first century Roman soldier's warfare wardrobe, his armor, had to include authentic combat boots. These were really killer shoes. This imagery is somewhat lost in our modern warfare techniques with jeeps, helicopters, and troop transport vehicles. Without these military amenities, first century Roman soldiers and troops walked some 20 miles a day. They walked everywhere they went. They didn't have the luxury we have in the 21st century, you know, walking shoes or sneakers, running tennies, sports sneakers, jogging sneakers, etc., Roman soldiers' shoes were heavy, initially uncomfortable, and had an extremely thin, thick tread, since it was common for enemies to riddle a battle site with spikes up, sticking up out of the ground. So four things were very important, protection, traction, weight, and comfort. Protection was ensured by a thick and strong tread, as I mentioned, for stepping on spikes hidden in the battlefield, plus the potential frostbite in colder regions. For traction, military sandals were studded with spikes, like extra-long cleats, between one and three inches long, so soldiers wouldn't slip during hand-to-hand combat, making themselves vulnerable or unsteady on their feet. Weight at first may appear to make walking sluggish, painful, even preventing a soldier from moving quickly, but weight enhances traction and actually protects a soldier's feet. This gives new insight into Paul's words in verses 10 through 14, and standing against the devil, or standing your ground. Paul mentions stand four times in five verses before listing these pieces of armor. 
Friends, a soldier's shin and footwear comprised two pieces, the shielding that went from the top of the knee to meet the ankle, and the sandal or boot itself. The leg piece was called the greave, and made the soldier's shoes look like boots. The sandal-like boot was usually made of brass, two pieces of fine metal, to cover the top and the bottom of the foot, held together by multiple pieces of durable leather. The bottom piece held the spikes, and why these were called killer shoes, extremely dangerous to any foe. They had a break-in period, so were initially uncomfortable, but later became very comfortable. Well, friends, to properly understand and interpret verse 15, today's verse under scrutiny, a few terms need defining shod, preparation, and peace. We might get confused, thinking that Paul is somehow mixing war and peace, seemingly contradictory concepts. Shod is the easiest to define. It's an older generation term and simply means to shoe either a horse or a person with a particular kind of shoe. Preparation reminds me of my younger days in Boy Scouts. I still remember the Boy Scout motto, Be Prepared. Equally meaning, be ready for anything, or be ready at all times. My take is that Paul is elaborating on this idea of being ready at all times in 6, 10 through 20, and why he goes to great lengths to outline the spiritual parallels to each piece of armor on a Roman soldier. This word preparation also means readiness and calls to mind 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts revere or sanctify Christ as Lord, always being prepared or ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Well, friends, here's a good juncture to build a bridge to an Old Testament parallel passage that Paul may have been inspired to recall with the Spirit's nudging. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Interestingly, Isaiah 51 and 52 intermingle a military environment, and technically 52.7 is a reference to proclaiming victory in a military battle. Good news of a win. So how amazing is it, friends, that Paul adopts Isaiah's text here and carries it over into a New Testament scenario of spiritual military engagement, proclaiming victory over the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, per Ephesians 6.12. So, friends, what are we to be ready to do? is the question we need to ask of Ephesians 6.15. And Paul's answer is, be ready to proclaim peace in the midst of war. What? And here's a good place to define peace. We can get tripped up if we don't read peace in its various contexts. We tend to automatically assume peace is the absence of war. But Paul carefully supplies us his context of peace extensively in Ephesians chapter 2. Spiritually speaking, peace and war can coexist simultaneously, all together, and at the same time. Get it? <laughs> In Ephesians 2, peace must be linked with reconciliation. Read the whole chapter as I can only highlight some pertinent verses, like verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
Like verse 14, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace. And like the second half of verse 15, going into verse 16, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, Jews and Gentiles, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. This sounds like Second Corinthians five seventeen through 21, doesn't it? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Wow! And here it is, friends, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So friends, what kind of shoes are we leaving the house with? Gospel shoes? Shoes of peace proclaiming the gospel of peace? The gospel that reconciles people to God and people to each other? Are we ready for trials yet exhibiting the peace of Christ? Are we ready to love, since Jesus said that our love is what makes us stand out to the world as his disciples? Are we ready to proclaim, in whatever form we are gifted to exhibit, through our testimony, our witnessing to others, or teaching of the scriptures? Finally, are we ready to live the gospel, making our light shine and our deeds known, that others may glorify our Father in heaven, being an example and following in Jesus' steps? Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of our program. I hope it's been both challenging and a blessing. And as promised, we'll close our program out with an email where you may inquire about helping fund a word from the word, which is listener funded. I love coming alongside you without a church home at this time, or you who've been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are at faithtalk1360.com. That's faithtalk1360.com, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at christianbody.net, a word from the word is broadcast in over 70 countries. If these teachings are helping you grow and nudging you to study God's word more carefully, please invest in the mission of a word from the word this year and help us become fully funded. Well, thanks for listening today, friends, and remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with A Word from the Word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at awordfromtheword at minister.com. That's awordfromtheword at minister.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.